What is good, everyone, and welcome to the We Just Talk Wrestling Podcast. My name is Kyle. I'm here with Dylan and Christian this week. We have a loaded show for you guys today, but as always, we'll break down the weekly shows, going over any stories from all the different promotions. We'll be starting a new series called The Celebration of Black and Gold. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Twitter and Instagram at WJTW19 and give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. So, Dylan... What cut your eye in wrestling this week? <clears throat> All right. So uh, some news out of the WWE camp. Uh, the May 27th pay-per-view, which was formerly going to be uh, King of the Ring and Queen's Crown tournaments uh, from Saudi Arabia, now has a name change. It will be Night of Champions. The King of the Ring and Queen's Crowns will, I guess, apparently be rescheduled. There's no word on when they might be. Um so who knows what's going to happen there with the draft coming up. Um, I don't know if that's that's going to change. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not quite sure why they made the change. There's a lot of speculation that they're going to do a big celebration for Roman Reigns as May 27th falls on the 1,000th day of his title reign. Um, the big thing about this, so in previous Night of Champions incarnations, the big gimmick was every title's on the line, right? Yeah. Well, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are the current tag champions. Sami has never made the trip to Saudi Arabia for religious reasons um, and, like, heritage reasons. And then Kevin Owens has never made the trip due to just simply not wanting to go to Saudi Arabia. So does that mean Kevin and Sami are going to drop the titles before... Are they going to run some sort of injury angle and they're going to have like maybe Riddle wrestle for him? Like I, I, I'm like, I'm very intrigued on what you guys think might happen. But yeah, Night of Champions is taking place May 27th, not the King of the Ring Tournament or the Queen of the Ring Tournament. Well, I think the Usos have to be the favorite next week now. I mean, Seems that, like I, it. No, two weeks. Two saying. weeks. Oh, yeah, in two weeks. Um, so I was talking to Christian about this what, two nights ago. I, I don't think it's the worst possible idea because – if you do the king and queen of the ring like on SmackDown and Raw, you can kind of flush it out a little bit and don't have to champ pack everything in one night. So you can have some of the matches breathe. Um, I'm actually kind of a fan of it doing on TV, so there's not a whole lot of other filler. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm not against that. Now something big's got to happen for Roman's celebration thing for it to be you know worthwhile. But um, I'm not totally opposed to it because I do remember some of the night of champions events being pretty solid. Yeah. Um, I, we don't know, you know, the women performing Saudi, if that's has anything to do with it or not, but um, it's, it's probably, it wasn't probably even a Vince call. This was a definitely a Saudi call. Thank Christian. Yeah. Really quick about the tag team title thing. Mm-hmm. As much as I don't want to see the Usos win the title again, and almost with what Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn reasons of not wanting to go or whatever, it would almost make sense that they're going to win in two Fridays, and mm-hmm. sadly we're going to have to see them champions again. But it doesn't mean down the road Kevin and Sami can't win them back, right? I, I don't know. I think like, it for... kind of takes away yeah. almost from what you did at WrestleMania. Yeah, I don't I I don't know if like does it tarnish that big moment to have only a month and a half title reign. You know mm. what I mean? Like you end a two year title reign to only hold it for, you know, eight weeks. Like that's just kinda I don't know. I think it's kinda weird. 
No, no. So now. But we'll see what ha- I mean. Like I said, they could run an injury angle, and that could be how you keep them both off the show, or you know, maybe maybe they don't do the whole like every title defended thing. That's just speculation. It could be called Night of Champions because it is going to be like a celebration of Roman Reigns kind of thing with a bunch of other matches. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what yep. happens. But uh, no real details have been um, been released yet, other than the the name change. I kind of like it vague. Get me honest with yeah, you. Yeah, we'll so, see what happens. All right, Christian, what do you got? All right, so I will stick with WWE, and it has been confirmed by Nick Khan during an interview that Triple H is still the sole chief creative officer. Now, we've heard and reported in recent weeks Vince has been more involved, but ultimately Triple H has had the final say in most of everything, and he is also willing to take Vince's input. Don't. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, honestly, like, you know, I, I also read on another site that they kind of worded it like if he wants the advice, he can have it. Let's mm-hmm. be honest, Triple H isn't taking any advice from Vince McMahon. Let's be completely honest here. Right. Um, here's the thing. I, I think Vince is still going to have some say at the very top of the card when it comes to Cody, Roman, and Brock. Everything else of what we've seen past that Raw has kind of felt more Triple H. Mm-hmm. So that kind of gives me a glimmer of hope here. We're just going to have to wait and see really how the draft goes. And then mm-hmm. that'll kind of dictate where everything's going, but um, not all hope is lost just yet. Yeah. I'm happy you brought that up. So we had the big scare the night after mania yep. and everyone's like, Oh my God, this is, this is WWE again yep. where it was, it was fun while it lasted, but really every show since, like you said, has felt, like a Triple H show, so I'm one, and the, and Vince hasn't been backstage apparently since that night. And Omos has not been on TV. Yeah, so <laughs> makes you makes you wonder, like, first off, like, why did he interrupt the one show and then just kind of go back to what we've been used to the last eight months? I don't know. It is well, it's, it's it's a little weird. Somebody said something on Twitter, and I don't know if I agree or disagree with it, but they said that Raw after Mania show could have been a way of Vince having his like final send off show. Like I mm. like him saying, I want to do this one raw just because Raw after WrestleMania, then everything else is Triple H. Yeah. I've it also went well. I've also seen yeah, a great again, just speculating. <laughs> I've also seen that the Endeavor guys were backstage at that Raw, did not like how Vince ran the show, saw Triple H run the show on SmackDown and they're like, hey, we should probably let this guy just do <laughs> So I don't know. I don't know which one's true. There's a lot of like, I remember, I remember Meltzer said right after the Raw after Mania, we're back to the status quo. We can't trust then, him either. And then it kind of feels like we're not in a, in, in a way. And, and, and we'll go over Raw and SmackDown in a little bit, but it has felt much different. No, yeah, oh. it has. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, that's all I have. I just said it, it's felt better. Yeah, it has. <sighs> But the draft is really going to dictate where we're yes, going here. Yes, but, yes, um, yes. but I'm still very excited for it. Um, so it was reported by WrestlingNews.com that Anthem Sports and Entertainment is reportedly thrilled by the success of the first quarter of 2023 of Impact Wrestling. The company also named Richard Schaefer its president. He will oversee Impact Wrestling. Every major show, Hard to Kill, No Surrender, and Sacrifice has completely sold out and has seen a 20% increase in viewership this year. 
First of all, Schaefer, coming from a background of boxing and seemingly a big wrestling fan, could be really beneficial and interesting as he will basically be Scott Demore's boss. We shall see what is next for Impact, but with the company not having some of its major draws, still having good ratings, still selling out the events, is a really good sign for the company that has had subpar booking at best. So, Dylan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's. <laughs> you said they've been more profitable the last quarter. Yes, it's one of their biggest in a while. That's. I mean, you know, whenever Christian comes on the show, we talk a lot of impact, and it hasn't been great from what we see. So it does kind of like boggle my mind that they have been pretty profitable. But I mean, I mean, good for them, I guess. Well, I don't, I don't know. Bully raised a draw. I mean, ever since he's came back, well, we remember. Remember, we had this conversation, you know, about a much different guy and a much different company. But it's like, you know, whether we agree or disagree, like sometimes having a big name in a prominent spot like helps. You know what I mean? Like with all the rumors swirling around Punk coming back to AEW, maybe you're right. Maybe Bully Ray and and, and Tommy Dreamer, as much as we don't really want to see them, maybe they are big draws to the more like you know, older fans who, who remember them in their heyday. I, I don't know. Because I really do think Impact does have an older fan base. I, yeah. I really believe yeah. that. I think they're one of the older fan bases in all of wrestling, probably the oldest. But uh, Christian, what do you think? Yeah, I highly disagree. <laughs> with what? With saying Impact's been really good for the first quarter of 2023. I... Well, from a, I, I don't from a money either, from a money from standpoint a money. they have from a money yeah, apparently but yes but the product no definitely not it's no 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 you're right out of the major three brands in wrestling it's the worst by far it's not even close AEW you can almost make the argument for right now which I'll get into but Impact AEW is watchable Impact is not I think AEW at their worst is still better than Impact today. Even though Impact has such a good roster and they should be so much better. They don't um, use the roster, right? Yeah, well, they, they don't. don't use roster and, dude, they're really killed with injuries right now. Yeah. And that's what's really killing them. Um, but I'm very happy that they're having success. And uh, remember, I mean, with the new TV deal, I'm hoping uh, better things are on the uh, horizon for Impact Wrestling. But um, mm-hmm. Ari Christian, you will be covering AEW this week. So this will be the first time ever that I do not cover it. So what do you have for us? All right. Starting with Rampage, Jungle Boy defeated Sean Spears. And Aussie Open successfully defended their IWGP tag team title match against the best friends. Off to Dynamite. Darby Allen defeated Swerve Strickland. MJF came out and he says Darby is not on the level of the devil. Powerhouse mm-hmm. took on Silas Young in a TNT title match. Uh, Hobbs won in like two minutes. It I, wasn't even that. I think it was like what thirty-five seconds. Um, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> then Buddy Matthews versus Orange Cassidy for the international championship. I don't care about Orange Cassidy or that title, so this match just didn't. It didn't need to happen. No, I. I they need to get that title off of him immediately. Orange Cassidy retained, obviously. Big mistake. On to some good news. We got the return of Jeff Hardy. Yeah. Now, real quick, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer, 
I, I don't want to hate on it, but we've seen this before. Mm-hmm. He back, he's going to have a good four months. He's going to have a lot of good matches, but we're going to hear the report that he did something again. Let's just well, let's hope not, right? Yeah. I, I think that's what we can do is just hope that. But here, so I agree with your first point, though. So he comes back to what a hook versus the Fern storyline. This storyline is awful. Like no one cares about it. So they're re- so basically why they did it is try to br- bring popularity to it. Because <laughs> Hook, I still think, is struggling in some cases finding a character. He does get a pretty good reaction, but he needs to still find his footing. Maybe Jeff Hardy could be good with helping him. And then obviously you still have Matt um, Cassidy on that side. But this storyline, it's really not that good. I don't know what you think, Dylan, but it's really not that great. Yeah, it's not that great. But to talk about Jeff Hardy, it was awesome to see him back. He looked like he was in amazing shape, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah. Better crowd than loved he it. Left. Yeah, crowd, crowd loved it. He looked very appreciative. You can kind of see after – after his spot and everything, when he got back on the turnbuckle, he just looked um, very appreciative that everyone welcomed him back really well. But let's call it like it is. Jeff is – this is his last shot, I yes. feel like. Not this just because – like, not just because of his age, because he is getting up there. You don't know how much longer he has left, but he's had issues with every company he's worked in. Yeah. Like, he had – obviously, look how his WWE tenure ended. Uh, look what happened in Impact, um, you know, now with AEW. Like, there's not a lot of promotions that are going to keep taking shots on Jeff Hardy outside of maybe the Indies just because he's a big name. Um, and for one-offs. Yeah, and for just one-off appearances. So, Jeff Jeff has to make it work this time. And, and I hope, you know, being a fan of his, he was my favorite wrestler as a kid. I think he was all of our favorite wrestlers as a kid. Yep. Um, it, it was great to see Jeff in great shape. Get the reception that he deserves. I just hope it. I hope it sticks. I hope. Uh, I hope this is a uh, the last brush of of legal stuff for him, and and he's back on the right track. Because when his when his mind's right and he's clean and he's and he's going hundred miles an hour, he's he's a million bucks, and he's still a major draw, as you can see by the reaction. I mean, people still love him. So I hope it works. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, what else you got? John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli. <laughs> Oh boy! Versus... Wait, what are you laughing about? <laughs> I'll just keep going. Let him finish. Well, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's my boy's brand color and Michael Nakazawa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically, uh, I'll just call him the Blackpool Combat Club. Just jumped him at the start, made both of them bleed like crazy and uh um which which one is the mask it's a uh, brandon color that was yeah color yeah what a guy what is yeah. asking oh my god then i don't i don't know what the finish was exactly was it a dq or a no contest i think it was a no contest okay <clears throat> bell rang nobody got pinned and nobody said anything and i was like well who won i well, i think they just kind of said whatever <laughs> so that's ba- that's basically about it. But the Bucks and Omega did come out to attack the Blackpool Combat Club. Omega went to look like commit murder on Claudio with a screwdriver, but Claudio yeah, dude. out the ring and he stuck the screwdriver in the turnbuckle. That's going to be a very violent um, 
double or nothing match. Yep. Uh, Riho and Sky Blue took on Ruby Soho and Tony Storm. Storm pins Sky Blue via the Storm Zero. And to close out, Chris Jericho versus Keith Lee. Jericho wins after Swerve interferes in the match. Continue that feud. And Adam Cole comes out to basically comfort Keith Lee. And that's how it shows. So, Vince, just... Vince is a visionary, by the way. Adam Cole paired with uh, Keith Lee. Dude, I. Vince yeah, I, I, I guess. See, if Vince was the guy. <laughs> Vince um, saw it first, this... just saying. I, I don't care for any of this. So you're going to take all this time off and then now try to continue Swerve and Keith Lee, and we have to care about it. Yep. And now, does anyone actually care about Jericho versus Adam Cole? I know I don't. Like, I think that match should be fine. Jericho's a big name. Adam Cole needs a win. Um, this is only teasing what the future is going to be. Adam Cole is going to win that title at some point. And Keith Lee is going to be a challenger of his. This was all this was. Um, I won't spoil anything, but uh, it has worked out very well between the two. Um, but uh, what, what do you think, Don? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, I, I thought the Keith Lee-Jericho match was actually pretty good, but I'm with you. Um, all that other crap I don't really care for. Um, yeah, I think Cole and Jericho will be a fine match, just – because of who the performers are. But again, I don't know if I necessarily care about it either. Um, but I thought, I thought AEW was actually pretty good this week. You know, I'm, Oh, I'm, I thought it was boring. You uh, thought it was boring. Oh, I thought it was boring out of my mind. I didn't think it was. Boring, I thought, I thought, I thought it was one of the worst weeks they've had all year. The big, the big shock was, a you know, blood being involved in a Moxley match. That was a bit of a shocker there. Yeah. That's... Yeah. That's like never been seen before. Never yeah. been seen before. But, yeah, then Tony Ooh. Storm having a five star classic against Sky Blue and tag action. But hey, uh, Sky Blue officially all elite. I thought so, she already was. <laughs> I thought she was too until I saw the, the <laughs> thing. I mean, she's been appearing on TV almost weekly. And then it's like Sky Blue signs an AEW contract. I'm like, oh. And okay. she still has no reaction. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's not her. It's not her fault. It's really not her fault. They just don't book it's her the, well. No, it's not the. But it's they have no writing for her. She's just in these random matches. I thought with her and Madison Rain, I thought there was really something. But man, dude, she she needs something because she is a really good wrestler. She's young. Mm-hmm. Just give her something. But um, yep. All right. So, uh, Dylan, we're gonna move on to WWE news with you. All right, let's kick off with Raw. So, Rey Mysterio kicked off Monday Night Raw this week and was immediately interrupted by Dominic Mysterio, who cut quite possibly one of the worst promos I think I've seen him cut. Uh, oh, he was just all... He, he was, was all... all he was nervous. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ray issued a challenge to Dominic for a rematch, uh, but Dominic refused, uh, saying that he couldn't bring himself to fight his father. I thought that was funny. Uh, but out comes Finn Balor to wrestle Rey Mysterio. Finn Balor does pick up the win over the Hall of Famer. Move on to the women's tag team titles. Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan versus Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. Now, this is a banger of a match, Dylan, if I ever seen so myself. Uh, little backstory here. So it was reported earlier in the show that Lita was mysteriously attacked backstage taking her out of the match. Uh, Trish Stratus volunteers to step in for her. Adam Pierce agrees to let her do that. So that's why it's Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. Um, this match was uh, 
Yeah, it, it, I mean, it existed. Yeah. Uh, very it, clunky. It, it, literally, <laughs> the only good thing about it was Raquel. I thought yeah. Raquel carried her weight. I don't know what you guys thought. I thought it, Becky was the worst by an absolute mile. I, it looks like she has not even wrestled before. I thought like, dude, I don't didn't look that great. I don't know it's what right. happened. Be- dude, Dylan has tried to convince me to like Becky Lynch. I just cannot get on board. So I anyway, <laughs> uh, Trish Stratus goes for the chick kick. It was countered um, into a roll-up. Liv Morgan pins Trish Stratus, and Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan are now the new women's tag team champions. After the match, quite possibly one of the worst forearm shots I've ever seen. But the kick was Liv- great. What's the... What's the- <laughs> what? The- no, the kick it- was good. It was not. It was not. Oh, it was one of the weakest, the weakest betrayal I think I've ever seen. Anyway, Trish Stratus attacks Becky Lynch after the after the match with two hits, and um, planting the seeds for a uh, for a potential match between God, the two. That is going to be a disaster. Yeah. However, <laughs> I think Trish as a heel is going to be really refreshing because ever since she retired, she's only appeared as a face. Go back and watch Trish as a heel uh, back in the you know early two thousands and whatnot. She's a killer heel, so I think that will be good, but I'm not excited for that match at all. Match that I am excited for, Bobby Lashley and Bronson Reed ended in a no – or excuse me, ended in a double countout. Uh, these two – the two big guys battled back and forth. Action spills to the floor where the brawl continued. Ref counts to 10, ends in a double countout. The brawl continued even after the bell. So there is more to be told here between these two behemoths, and I am all for it. The Usos defeated Alpha Academy via pinball and tag action after Chad Gable was hit with the 1D. EO Sky, Piper Neven, and Mia Yim in a triple threat match. EO Sky picks up the win and is the number one contender for Bianca Belair's Raw Women's title. And finally, to close out the show, Cody Rhodes challenged Brock Lesnar to a match at Backlash, which is now apparently called WrestleMania Backlash again. I don't really know. But the, um, the commercials say backlash, so the, I don't think yeah, that's right. All the, all the commercials say backlash. I'm wondering if it was just a, a kind of hiccup by Cody himself. Um, but I don't – but I really don't know. Um, also, Solo Sokoa defeated Kevin Owens via pinfall after the Samoan spike. Um, after the match, a brawl ensued, and out comes Riddle and Sami Zayn to make the save. A lot of people thought they weren't even going to be on the show due to a lot of travel issues that took place. On Raw, a lot of the card had to be changed because all the competitors just simply weren't there. Remember, Matt Riddle and The Miz were advertised for the show. That match did not happen because Riddle didn't make the show until right before his segment in the main event. Um, I'm I'm fine with that Miz match being canceled, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think anyone's losing sleep over that. But um, I thought the segment itself was good, and they're clearly setting up a a bloodline versus uh, Sammy, Kevin, and, and Riddle possibly at backlash, especially if Kevin and Sammy drop their titles in a couple weeks. There's no reason why that six man is not going to happen. So we'll see. Anyway, let's move on to uh, a SmackDown uh, real quick. Uh, it was announced last week that the draft would happen. Well, now we have confirmation on the dates. The WWE draft will take place April 28th and May 1st. It'll start on SmackDown and then continue on the following raw. So we have confirmation there. Xavier Woods defeated L.A. Knight via pinfall. Um, Walter and Woods shared a altercation backstage, setting up a future Intercontinental Championship match between the two. Next week. Is it next week? It's next week. All right. 
Uh, so expect da- LA to probably get involved there. Probably. Uh, Damian Priest defeated Santos Escobar via pinfall after hitting the south of heaven. Rey Mysterio saved Escobar during a post-fight brawl. So the LWO and Judgment Day feud continues. Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan granted Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville a shot at their tag team championships for sending them packing from the ring, according to CBS. Shinsuke Nakamura made his triumphant return to SmackDown, a massive ovation for him. People were very excited to see him. He looked like a million bucks. He defeats Madcap Moss pretty easily um, after the Kinshasa. After the match, Karrion Cross and Nakamura kind of had a stare down, setting up a future match between the two of them. Also, Solo Sokoa defeated Matt Riddle via pinfall in the main event of the show. And as we've already alluded to, Paul Heyman announced that in two weeks' time, the Usos will face Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn on SmackDown for the tag team titles. But did you guys notice something that Paul Heyman did? Yep. So he was cutting his promo, Mm -hmm. pointing at Sami and Kevin, and says, you guys will lose your titles. And then he looks at the Usos and he says, because Roman Reigns is losing patience with the two of you. But he was standing behind the Usos, so they actually didn't see the glare. Um, it was well done. Very well done. I thought it was done beautifully, and it just speaks volumes to how good Paul Heyman is on the mic and how he can just sell a moment very well. Something so subtle, and it's garnered so many headlines. It's the little things. It's the little things that Paul Heyman does that just makes him great, I think. And I absolutely love the guy. Um, but, yeah, that's what I got for WWE this week. Uh, preloaded show. Um, I thought it was pretty good. And uh, what would you guys think? Well, they're, they're trying to continue or make some storylines here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nakamura versus Cross could go crazy if yes, done right. That'd be fun. Um, they also did two things in one match. I mean, you see Madcap Moss potentially going heel. He was frustrated after the match. Emma's trying to calm him down. She's definitely going heel as well. I think heel Emma is the best way to go with her. Um, and then Moss definitely needs some help as well. First thing you got to do is change that name. I think with the heel character, I think he is. Either back just to do Moss or do Riddick. Just get that madcap out of there because that's more of like a goofy face kind of character. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I, I thought uh, Mia Yim looked really good in the match. Piper. So, you know, with some of the names that showed up with no Omos, kind of looks like Triple H was at least – 85, 90% of the booking this week. That's what it felt like. Like you said, feels a little different than the Raw after Mania. Uh, what do you think, Christian, about AEW this week? <clears throat> or, sorry, WWE. WWE. Yeah. It was definitely a better week. There's still some stuff I'm like, yeah, on. But it's definitely a lot better. The Mad Cat Moss thing, I mean, does he really interest anybody? No. He I, I think. Never has. I think Emma can help with that because I think Emma is absolutely fantastic. And I really think she can elevate that character. So before you say, Oh, it's done. It's done. Put that, put that on hold, put that on hold. She needs to go back to Neil Dashwood. Uh, I think this character is going to allow her to do that. Like something similar. Like you think she'll officially have, she'll go. No, no, no. She didn't. Not the name, but it's going to be a similar situation to Dashwood. Hmm. I mean, I'm fine with that, but um, yeah. Really quick, another thing. I think that women's tag title match could be decent. 
What, the, the Chelsea Green, Sonia Deville? I oh, think it could be a good match. Like, no, like I do too. Good match. I think it would be better so. than the one we got on Raw. Oh, yes, 100%. Uh, I mean, that's – yeah, I mean, come on now. Um, I think Chelsea I, – I think Chelsea's absolutely killing it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the partnership with Sonia, we'll have to see where that goes. But um, it definitely looks like they have some kind of stock in Chelsea. It really is good to see. But we're going to go to the uh, indie segment. Are you guys ready? Yes, yeah, sir. All right, this week I'll be highlighting Emerge Pro Wrestling based out of Columbus, Indiana. Highlighting the action starting with Solomon Tupu defeating Beef with a rock bottom thanks to distraction from a masked man. Cole Radrick beat Ace Perry in a banger of a match. But in the main event for the Outbreak title, Jordan Cage took on Trey Lamar. Loved how even this match was. Side headlock takedowns, really basic but effective wrestling maneuvers. Lamar suicide dives on Cage on the outside, crashing into chairs. <clears throat> Cage came back with a huge superplex, then continuing the breakdown Lamar. But in the end, thanks to a distraction, Cage falls pretty much flat on his back, but reaches his arm out onto his opponent for the three count and was able to retain his title. Really fun match, but the storytelling carried this, which I really enjoyed. My MVP goes to Solomon Tupu. This is someone that Dylan and I saw live at New Wave Pro for his size. He moves around very well, has a very deep move set, but his striking ability is top tier. So go check out Emerge Pro Wrestling. They're based out of Columbus, Indiana. And again, my MVP is Solomon Tupu. Awesome, awesome stuff. We'll be sure to tag both the promotion and Kyle's MVP on social media like we do every single week. You got to give them a like and a follow. Solomon Tupu, yeah, like Kyle said, we did see him live once. That dude's a behemoth, and he moves very, very fast. So uh, a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, Dylan, we're going to jump right with you to this day in history. Yes, sir. So uh, today is April 16th, so all of these dates will be April 16th. Are you guys ready? Yep. April 16th, 1994, New Japan Pro Wrestling played host to the first ever Super J Cup, which is a 14-man one-night tournament contested by the best of the light heavyweights in the world. Uh, Many observers consider the tournament to be the best wrestling show of all time from an in-ring perspective. The tournament was won by Wild Pegasus, who defeated the great Ah, man. (laughs) <laughs> Sasuke, Sasuki, I don't know Sasuke Sorry. Sasuke, yep Dude, Every time I get the, the New Japan names I always butcher them, I apologize uh, But <laughs> In 2000, WCW Spring Stampede Took place at the United Center In Chicago In a first for the promotion All of the titles in the company had been declared Vacant the previous Monday When the returning Eric Bischoff And Vince Russo reset All storylines as a result, a whole new, a whole set of new champions were to be crowned at the pay-per-view. The main event saw Jeff Jarrett defeat Diamond Dallas Page in the final for the World Heavyweight Championship tournament that started the previous Monday. Uh, Page's wife, Kimberly, turned on him during the match to join the heel Millionaires Club faction. The tag team championships was decided in a four-team tournament in the first round team package, which was Lex Luthor and Ric Flair defeated Ron and Don Harris, and Shane Douglas and Buff Bagwell won over Harlem Heat. 
Bagwell and Douglas defeated Team Package for the titles in the final. The United States Championship was up for grabs in an eight-man, one-night tournament won by Scott Steiner. He defeated Sting in the final, and other entrants were Mike Awesome, The Cat, The Wall, Billy Kidman, Booker T, and Vampiro. <laughs> Ooh, Vampiro. That's a boy. lot to get through. In 2001, an episode of Monday Night Raw took place in Knoxville, Tennessee. Triple H defeated Jeff Hardy to win back his Intercontinental Championship that he lost to Hardy just days earlier. In 2003, at a taping of a weekly NWA TNA pay-per-view in Nashville, Tennessee, Jerry Lynn and the Amazing Red won the NWA World Tag Team Championships from Triple X, which is Christopher Daniels and Alex Skipper. In 2007, on an episode of Monday Night Raw from Milan, Italy, the miracle in Milan took place when Santino Morella made his WWE debut and won the Intercontinental Championship from Umaga with help from Bobby Lashley. In 2009, WWE brought back the Superstar Show as a weekly one-hour program on the WGN America Network and featured one match from each, uh, one match each from Raw, SmackDown, and ECW. On the debut episode, The Undertaker defeated Matt Hardy in the mm-hmm. main event. Yeah, I remember in, that. In 2018, on an episode of Raw from Hartford, Connecticut, Jeff Hardy defeated uh, Kyle's favorite wrestler of all time, Jinder Mahal, to win the United States Championship. And some notable wrestling birthdays. Today is the birthday of Paul London, Vicky Guerrero, and Mia Yim. So happy birthday. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Yep. All right, Christian, oh, do you got any uh, thoughts on that? So we're all just ignoring the fact Matt Hardy just casually faced The Undertaker at the main event. Yeah, that was... Of superstars. It was really random, because yep. I remember, because Dylan, we were in the sixth grade together when that yep. this happened. When that took place. And yep. we were very confused <laughs> why that happened. But... Yeah, it made no sense. And then I think Jeff Hardy got involved or, or appeared after the match or something. I'm not quite sure, but, but yeah, that happened. Yeah, I thought Superstars, like, over, like, because ECW wasn't on the full 2009. It got... No, it was on all 2009. It got canceled in 2010 at the beginning of 2010. I thought it got canceled in 2009. No, they switched it to uh, NXT, ironically, uh, in like, I think, February of 2010. Oh, oh yeah, because that's when the Nexus and all that. Yeah. Yep. Michael Tarver, you know, you remember him? <laughs> yeah, oh, what yeah, a stud, dude. Dylan Boyd, Sheffield. <laughs> oh, my, what a stud. Way hey, better than that clown Ryback. Skip hey, Sheffield. Hey, yeah. where, where is? <laughs> well, now, who is? Where is Skip Sheffield? Yeah, I wonder what he's doing. I don't know, but his uh his doppelganger is out here claiming he invented all of wrestling. So, big guy. Um, kind of miss big. uh kind of miss Skip Sheffield. He was quieter and <laughs> didn't run his fucking mouth. The big guy. Um, the, the big guy, Skip Sheffield with a cowboy hat. Um, <laughs> so are you guys ready for the top five? Power ranking segment this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Number five goes to New Japan Pro Wrestling's Robbie Eagles, one of the most underrated wrestlers today, and Eagles continues to impress whenever he gets time to shine. He was able to defeat Link Barnett in singles action, but the biggest match of the week for him was against Takahashi for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. And even though he just came up just short, this was a 21-minute barn burner, and experience against top champions in New Japan will only improve his stock down the road. Number four goes to Dragon Gate's 
KZY. This is a promotion I desperately want to see more of because of the hidden talents like KZY who continue to go somewhat unnoticed. This week, he held to stable Natural Vibes go 4 0 in tag action with wins over Don Fuji and Nagano, to name a few. He also clinched Natural Vibes a title match down the road for the Open the Triangle Gates titles. Very quick and consistent performer who is someone that you need to keep an eye on this year. But number three, it goes to WWE's EO Sky, one of the very best workers in the wrestling industry today. And this week, we saw a glimpse of what she's capable of on the main roster. EO was able to win triple threat match like dylan said on monday so she is number one contender to bianca's raw women's title fully believe she should win that match because of the possibilities it could lead to with damage control but eo is so clean and athletic i am very much looking forward to the match against bianca number two goes to stardom's waka sukiyama she is one of the best stories in all of wrestling so listen to this going into 2023 Waka had won one match in her entire career, and in four months of the start of 2023, she already has six wins. So, shout out to Waka. Picking up two wins this week in tag action uh, against names like Julia and Tekla. I really hope she can lead, or this can lead to them taking Waka a little bit more serious, and super happy for her and what she has already accomplished this year. Out of 100 and 80 matches, I think she's only won like seven, but uh, I'm very happy for her. But number one goes to Impact's Masha Sam- Slamovich. Masha has consistently been on this list, and it does not look like that is going to stop anytime soon. What a week Masha had, and the difficulty of opponents was off the charts. Defeating Sierra at an AAW show, retaining her title there. Beating Sumi Sakai at BCP and retaining her West Coast Women's title against Mayu in 17 minutes. The physicality, the intimidation factor, the in-ring skill. I mean, Masha is the whole package at only 24 years old. She is absolutely one of the faces of wrestling right now. So Masha takes the top spot this week. Good list as always. Good number one. We absolutely love Masha. Hope she gets treated better. Well, she does everywhere else. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah. You're not joking. Yeah. I mean, she knows. <laughs> she, she, I'm hearing about her doing all this good stuff and other smaller promotions, but you talk oh, about she's impact. she's treated like a star on the indies. Yeah. yeah. In impact, she's treated like a eh. afterthought. Yep. Dude, she she beat Nick Gage in yes. GCW. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite the rub there, but uh, very unique and consistent, or I guess consistent for the demographic, but uh, I really like the list this week, yep. but uh, we are going to move on. Are you guys ready? <clears throat> are you ready? <sighs> yes, I am. <laughs> so, all right, everyone, it's now time for the series that I have always wanted to do, and I'm really happy that you guys are going to be on this journey with me. Welcome, everyone, to the celebration of black and gold. I have said many times before, Dylan as well, that Triple H's NXT was the best brand in the history of wrestling, and I will forever have that opinion. Now, it is time for Christian to see the evolution of the brand. NXT started as a reality show where some of the talent from FCW participated in trying to be WWE's next biggest star, with the winners being Wade Barrett, Caval, Caitlin, and Johnny Curtis, a.k.a. Fandango. There was a fifth season that was supposed to air, 
but was dropped that did include Seth Rollins and Big E. In June 2012, WWE ended the seasonal competition format and opted to revamp the show as a developmental wrestling program. We will begin in the year 2014, where the first takeover occurred May 29th, 2014, on the WWE Network at Full Sail University in Winter Park, Florida, the home of NXT Black and Gold. The brand went through a lot of changes, and remember, the first eight or so takeovers were really considered the developmental until they basically became their own brand. Bo Dallas versus Adrian Neville, Emma versus Paige are just two of the matches you can go back and watch and get an idea of what this brand is all about, the true beginning of the women's revolution. There will be a lot of twists and turns on this journey, and I would like to also announce that it's not just going to be NXT's Black and Gold's uh, takeovers we will be watching. There was a promotion that went hand-in-hand, and that was NXT UK. So we're also going to be watching the three takeovers from NXT UK as well. Mm-hmm. So NXT Black and Gold was not just a pair of colors. It was wrestling excellence at the top. The balance of the shows, every division got its time to shine. The emotional roller coasters, the storytelling. I could not get enough. So Dylan Christian, are you guys ready to start the celebration of NXT starting with NXT TakeOver 1? I wish you put us over like this. I mean, I got to put my triple E's on. You guys put me me over pretty well last week. Yeah, that that is true. Kyle has never put me over like this. Yeah, maybe one day I'll put him over. But uh, but, uh, so if you want to, watching NXT TakeOver Arrival would be a good introduction as well because some of the matches that I named were on that show. But uh, we're going to jump right into the action. But before we do, Tom Phillips, Byron Saxon, and William Regal were at the commentary table. That ring announcer looks very familiar, Dylan. I just can't put my uh, – I just I just don't really know who that is. But uh, and the official general manager at the time was JBL. <laughs> so very uh, – <laughs> So very, <laughs> very so interesting random. times for um for NXT. But uh, we're gonna jump into the very first takeover match. And if you would have told me this is the first takeover match, I would have not remembered. <laughs> Adam Rose versus Camacho to open up NXT Takeover. The Adam Rose theme is still. Fire, dude. Oh my gosh, dude. Oh, that was stuck oh, in my head oh. all day Friday. Camacho, yeah. Yeah, it's Dylan doesn't put me over. Uh, Camacho tries to get Rose in a full Nelson and takes attack right to the baby face. Love the serious beatdown and the pandering to the crowd. Really cool submission, choking Rose with his own arm. I thought that was really cool. The crowd was singing the theme song of Rose, trying to get him back in the match by a huge big boot by Camacho. And the back to the submission... Uh, by the heel. Let's give Camacho a lot of credit for wrestling the match in khaki pants. Uh, Rose comes back with a wicked right and spine buster. Uh, he hits a corner splash, hits the party foul, and Adam Rose wins the contest. Fans were really into this. Coming in, I was like, oh, dude, I don't, I don't fucking care about this. You know, I don't even want to watch. Um, at some points, I thought it was physical, especially when Camacho was in control. Um, I thought it was a decent showcase for both guys, decent opener. Um, 
seeing Braun, Becky, and Simon Gotch as Rosebuds is really crazy to think about. <laughs> uh, like I said, this was a fully developmental at this time. So giving them a spot to me was not a bad thing. So, uh, Christian, what do you think of the opening contest? So, okay, for one, I wasn't crazy thinking that was Braun Strowman. Oh, yeah, dude, no, it's, no, so it's, <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. All right, let me get serious here. But uh, I didn't understand this match. It, here's how the match kind of felt like to me. Uh, Dylan, do you have a time on how long it went? Uh, um, it was like seven minutes. Like, it was yeah. like six, seven minutes, right? Something okay. like that, yeah. It felt like five minutes, Camacho's in control. Then Adam Rose gets a flurry of two-minute offense and then wins the match. That was his character, though. To be fair, that was Adam Rose's character. Fair. To get hyped by the crowd, and then he gets that last floor to win. That's kind was, of, that was kind of his character. It was officially five minutes and seven seconds, by the way. Oh. But continue. But, um, I mean, that's fair, but this should have been the match two. The match one should have been the one that followed this match. I don't think this was a really good opener, because one, it didn't go that long. And two, it just felt like, okay, one guy's dominating, the other guy hits a flurry of moves, one, two, three, it's over. It, I don't know, it just felt really weird to me. Wasn't I thought Camacho looked great. I thought, I really, I thought he did. I wasn't a fan of it. All right, Dylan, go ahead. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was an energetic way to kick off the show. Like you yeah. said, the crowd is really behind Adam Rose. That entrance always got the crowd hyped. Um I remember Camacho more for um, riding a bike on SmackDown with Unico on the pegs. Like, what was that tag team called? Um... Oh, dude, I have no idea. Don't even try. Don't even try and quiz me. I have no idea. I'm shocked I remember Unico's name, if I'm being honest. Um, but, I mean, the, the match wasn't anything to really write home about, no. but it was a good way to start the show just from an energy standpoint. Yeah. I agree with Christian in the sense that we got much better matches later in the show. Looking back on the entire card, this probably was, from an in-ring standpoint, the worst match on the card. Yes. But it yeah. wasn't bad by any means. It was a good way to start the show, though, because the crowd was super hyped. No, I, I thought so, too. Uh, don't worry, we can start with you. What'd you grade out of five? I went right in the middle, 2.5. I give it a 2.6. Uh, Christian, go ahead. I gave it a 2.2. Okay, so we're kind of all around the same uh, score there. Um, we're going to move on to the Ascension versus Kalisto and El Local, a.k.a. Ricardo Rodriguez, <laughs> for the NXT Tag Team Titles. Connor and Victor go right after their opponents, beating the crap out of them until like double Herc and Rana by the, uh, but the heels come back with huge uppercuts on the outside. Big elbow drop by Connor and a headbutt to the chest. From the first two minutes of the match, you could tell that the Ascension were really good in the face of this division, being champs for over 200 days, obviously. Tree Vostons, they kept Kalisto in the corner and did not let him go an inch farther. The physicality and splitting the ring in half. The psychology by the Ascension was awesome. Connor throws Kalisto as he bounces off the second rope, reverses double knee D or uh, Hurricane Rana, but the babyface for the tag. Ricardo comes in, hits the moonsault for two count as he goes for a big knee in the corner. Victor hits an STO, high-low combination, and the tag chance retain. Ricardo coming in to me was kind of a low point of the match, but the smart beatdown by the Ascension showing their style and staying true 
to it throughout the whole match was really fun to see. Kalisto sold very well. And this was not a great match, but it was a really good squash that went for about six, seven minutes. I think this was a good way for them to put over the tag champs as they're like this really dominant force mm-hmm. in that tag team division. So what do you think, Dylan? I mean, they were going through a pretty lengthy reign at the time, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like 260, 270 days, yeah. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, this was just a way to make the champions look even stronger. Um, There was once upon a time where the Ascension were, I I mean, they were pushed to the moon. And then they get to the main roster, and I think it was uh, Raw 1000 happened. And and next thing you know, they're, uh, they're the lackeys to Stardust. Remember that? No, I don't actually. <laughs> they were the Cosmic Wasteland. Come on, dude. Best I don't remember that. <laughs> Go look that up. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, back to this. Yeah, like Kyle said, this wasn't like a great match per se. It did feel like a really drawn-out squash in a way, but but I like that they made the Ascension look really, really tough, really, really strong, and really dominant. Um, and I think like at the time, their 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 biggest challengers were like, I, I don't even know, like who Jason Jordan and, and Ty Dillinger, I think were a team at the yeah. time, which mm-hmm. is just random to think of now. But um, yeah, it like, like you said, it was just like a glorified squash. Um, but I thought the Ascension looked really, really good. And it was planting a seed for what Kalisto did later in NXT, which was we'll planting to a seed time. for the cosmic wasteland. No, for Kalisto. <laughs> uh, hey, Christian, what'd you think? Yeah, I mean, if you want to make, uh, anyone look dominant. I was going to say a tag team, but I'm just going to say anyone look dominant. Give them something like this. Exactly. Yes. Two minutes. You yeah. can do where the match goes on a little bit. Make them look strong. Make them feel strong. And that's what they did here. It didn't go, the match didn't go overly long. It didn't need to because we knew Ricardo Rodriguez wasn't winning the tag titles. <laughs> but they did what they had to do. Now, Am I a fan of squashes on? This is technically a pay per view, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ki- kind of. Yeah. You know what I mean, though. Yeah. Yes. But remember, I'm, they did not have a lot of challengers. Yeah. I'm not a fan of squashes at pay per views per se, but this one does kind of make sense. So, would you give it a five? I gave it a two. You thought the Adam Rose match was better than this? Clearly. <laughs> uh, don't what you think? Or would you give it a five? Uh, I went 2.6. Uh, I went 2.8. I, I thought it was a really good way for the Ascension to um to get a big win. But we're going to get to um, – we're, we're really going to heat up here. Number one contenders match for the NXT title, Sami Zayn. Man, he looks familiar. Versus Tyler Breeze. Love the pre-match video packages by both guys. Two complete opposite gimmicks, the brave babyface versus Prince Pretty, who obsessed with his appearance in the spotlight. But man, he played that part so damn well. Nice chain wrestling as Zane get takes down Breeze. Great trio of arm drags of, of Zane uh, coming off the bottom rope. Breeze playing his character within the match. Loved him keeping Zane in the corner and preventing the speed of Zane coming into play. Tyler used the ropes and the turnbuckles to his advantage throughout the match, and it's just the little things. Match slows down with a side headlock, but Zayn tosses the heel, creates the separation. 
Sammy did this ridiculous sit-down, off-the-ropes, inverse neckbreaker move on the outside. That ruled. Crossbody for a two-count. Blue Thunderbomb for another near fall. Commentary alluded to it. If Sammy can hit that fifth gear, it's pretty much impossible to stop him. Mm-hmm. Breeze counters with a DDT. He hits a pop-out powerbomb coming from the bottom rope. That was awesome. Aggression by Breeze. Both guys want this title shot so bad. But Zane counters with an explorer suplex to counter. Strikes by both guys. Zane almost runs into the ref, but Tyler very smartly uses that split second to his advantage. Counters by both guys again. Super kick by Breeze and a kick out. Zane went for a package pile driver while holding Tyler's hands. And I have no idea how they continue to lock that to the opposite corner. That was just awesome. Zane hits an insane power bomb pretty much off one arm, but a kick out. Loved how Regal explaining how both guys did not execute the pin properly throughout the match. Zane dives on the outside to Breeze as they crash into the steel. Missed Haluva kick, beauty shot, and Tyler Breeze is your number one contender for the NXT title. This match needed to find its footing at first, but my goodness, did that? Did they turn the corner and did it turn out to be a banger? Zane kept fighting. Tyler's offense was so calculated and smart. The pace towards the end was just literally perfection. The crazy spots these two did. Zane was definitely one of their draws. So Tyler going over in a dirty way was absolutely the right call here as he needed mm-hmm. a big win. These two put it all on the line and it turned out to be a really, really great match. Say what you want about Tyler Breeze and the gimmick. He was actually one of my absolute favorites at this time, just to, from an in-ring standpoint and just trying to put a character over. I absolutely love Tyler Breeze. But uh, Dylan, what do you think of the match? Yeah, Tyler Breeze at this time, uh, probably the perfect arrogant heel. And I know yes. like the gimmick not everyone was a fan of, but like it was literally just, you know, not only am I better than you in the ring, I'm better looking. Like it was, it was, it oozed arrogance and it, it yes. worked to perfection because he's brilliant. Um, this was a lot of fun. This was a lot of fun. And it doesn't shock me considering who was in the ring. Um, I liked what they did with Sami Zayn early in the, in the, the, the black and gold run that he had. Um, it was clear that the crowd loved him. It was clear that early NXT, he was the quote unquote heart and soul of the brand, which I know was a term that was used for Gargano later on. Um, it, I, I liked that it would have been easy for him or it, an easy decision just to have him win. I like the fact that they had the risk of, you know, let's give it to Tyler breeze and build up that anticipation of like when Sammy does win the big one, it's going to be so sweet. It's kind of in a lot of ways reminiscent to what's going on now with Cody Rhodes. It's like he took the big loss now you're going to see him build himself back up. Um, so I like that Sammy would like get close, get close, and then he'd take a step back. And then you get close, get close, take a step back. But I didn't take away from the level of, uh, of excellence that he had in the ring as well at the time. All of his matches were phenomenal. So this was, I thought, was a million bucks. It was an easy yeah, home too. run. Oh, great, great, great decision, too. Even though a lot of people viewed it as a risk, especially at the time, great decision. Great decision. Christian, what'd you think? <sighs> Damn. Yep. <laughs> that was a ton of fun. It was. It really was. Was I a fan of the Tyler Breeze gimmick? No. I don't like gimmicks like that in wrestling, but it's like Dylan said, he put it over so well. It worked. Yep. 
Yeah, exactly. It worked, and you pair that with the in-ring talent he had, I can bypass that. Now, Sami Zayn, we know Sami Zayn in 2023, 2014, he was no different. He's the same scrappy, kind of, gonna earn it type of way, and he's going against the heel that wants it any way he can, right? (laughs) These two, though, man, the chemistry was incredible. It was. It it was 100% there, and some of the difficulty of moves Zane was hitting, like that backflip off the top rope to the outside. Oh, yeah. goodness. This match was a lot of fun. Yeah, dude. I And the selling by Breeze off of that, too. Oh, he he really sold his neck off the st- – dude, it, oh, my God. Dude, people, this. people never gave Tyler Breeze, I think, the credit he deserved. He now works as a trainer at the Performance Center, and those guys and girls are going to flourish under his watch because he is yes. so damn good. Not just like his in-ring ability, but like Kyle said, selling the moment, selling a character. He's he's great at it. He's so underrated. No one ever gave him the shine that he deserved. What's that? He can tell a story, too. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, so yeah. People he's training down at the Performance Center, they're in great hands right now. And yeah. he is a very big Triple H guy, too. Triple H absolutely loves Tyler Breeze. And he's a big uh, gamer. Big gamer, Yeah, too. he is. He is, too. Um, we'll start with Christian. What'd you give it out of five? I went 4.8. Uh, don't go ahead. I went 4.7. Uh, I also went 4.7. That This match, too. Oh, so good. So good. Um, but we'll, The Cesaro before... match was slightly better. You remember that at Arrival, though? Oh, my God. Oh, that that was that so was good. a five star match. That yep. was, yeah. Uh, before we hop into the next match, we had a promo by Lana putting over Rusev. Dylan's guy Mojo Raleigh uh, <laughs> came out. The man who stays hype interrupts them. <laughs> uh, Rusev just absolutely demolished Mojo, and uh, we move on. Charlotte Flair with Ric Flair ringside versus Natalia with Bret Hart for the NXT Women's Title. There was a tournament to determine the competitors of this match because Paige was forced to relinquish the title because she won the Divas title against AJ, starting with Charlotte beating Emma and Alexa to get there. Also, Natalia beating Layla and Sasha Banks to get there. Love the pre-match video package and the Paige promo. Just the little things that really made it have a big fight feel. Strong lockup, chain wrestling between the two until Natalia locks the arm and Charlotte reverses into it inverted octopus lock love the story early both women have rare genes when it comes to pro wrestling and using submissions holds to their strength love the way charlotte wrenches headlocks and natty puts extra emphasis into her leg locks sunset flip by natty taking the breath away from flair and these two exchange slaps and chops backpack stunner from flair for two count followed by an aggressive attack love this heel charlotte character Flair using her legs and nailing Natty's into the mat. Regal called it an intelligent beatdown. Full body stretch followed by a basement dropkick dropping Natty on the apron. Miss Moonsault twisting clothesline into a sharpshooter by Natty. Charlotte counters into a figure four. One of my favorite moments of the entire match, and I don't know if you guys caught this, was when Natty was in the figure four. She was trying to get her left arm to the rope. But Charlotte basically swiped it, taking that arm completely away from the equation. It was so smart. Just the little things there. Uh, figure four from the bottom row choking Natty. 
Flair working on the right knee as it went right into the, the uh, steel steps. Charlotte looking at Brett locking in the sharpshooter. Natural selection. And Charlotte Flair is the NXT Women's Champion. This had stakes. This had emotion to it. And these two wanted that title. The facial expressions, the storytelling, and the amount of locks in this match. I love the flow. It never felt like it lagged. On These two ladies put on a show, in my opinion. Uh, I thought this was the Natalia's best match in her entire career. Um, <laughs> unleashing a new era in NXT with Charlotte uh, being the champion. Flair, or so Ric Flair was in tears with his daughter as she holds the title. Just the added emotion. I love this match. I really, really did. Uh, Dylan, we'll start with you. Yeah, I agree with your sentiment. This was arguably one of, if not the best match I think I've ever seen Natalia wrestle. And this was she, her best one ever. Yeah, she had she had really good chemistry with Charlotte. And you have the family lineage for, for, for both competitors, too, um, which really added to it, I guess. And having both of them ringside, Bret Hart and Ric Flair, um, was really, really cool. Um, yeah, this, this definitely helped kick off or I guess continue at the time, maybe, uh, depending on your timeline, the, uh, the women's revolution that, that we went through it in WWE and really legitimizing it. These two, they went at it for what, 16, 17 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. no, no wasted movements. Like you said, the swiping of the arm, like that, that, that little bit of in-ring psychology, Charlotte was was definitely ahead of her time, I think. She was very young, very new still, but she looked like a 10-year vet. I mean, let's just let's just be honest in this match and and going up against a professional like like Natalia, which her best outing by far uh, in WWE is um couldn't ask for a better opponent and um I think the right white person won. Charlotte carrying that belt moving forward was was definitely the right move. All right, Christian, what do you think? <sighs> Boy. Boy, boy, boy! I oh, I hate the fact I'm gonna say this. Oh, I, I hate what you guys are gonna do to me after I say it. Uh oh, I did not care for this match one bit. Of... What? I... Oh my, dude, this match is so good. I, I, I did not care for it. I thought it was kind of boring, kind of. Un... Hmm. I... I get the types of wrestlers Charlotte and Natalia are. I get it. But did we have to spend... I said a... I didn't really set a time. I kind of... I did something, but it felt like... Dylan, you said the match went on 12 of 17 minutes. I think it went on... Uh, six, uh, hang on. Uh, almost 17 minutes. 16.49 was the exact time. It felt like... It felt like 11 of those minutes were spent them trying to lock in submission holds. I get Yeah, it. but it really just added to it, right? Because they were both in pain. It was just really trying to wrench on each other, really telling that story about the lineage like Dylan said, and really just putting over their moveset. I, I couldn't get behind it. I get that's their movesets. I get the whole story. I couldn't get behind it, and I could not for the life of me, get into that match. So what'd you give it out of five? I gave it a 2.6. Wow. Uh, Don't what'd you give it? I'm at 4.4. I gave it a 4.6. So uh, we're uh, all across the board. I I absolutely love this match. I thought it was Natty's best by far of her career. And Charlotte, dude, dude, she was... You could see greatness. 
Yes, like, it was, you it could was definitely see. Even early, even early, it was it was yes. there. Yeah, absolutely. But in the main event of the show, Adrian Neville versus Tyson Kidd for the NXT title. The video package putting over how desperate Tyson Kidd is. He needs this title. And Neville saying that the title is more important than losing his teeth. Man, dude, this had a big fight feel. Story was terrific. Also, we had Christian Cage and Antonio Cesaro at ringside. Huge tie-up, different holds, and these two continue to counter each other. Kid is just so skilled with his base submission game. Adrian hits a really cool arm drag green separation. Wrist lock, arm drags, more counters, double drop kick, and we're dead even. This match is absolutely insane. Huge left strike by Kid, Neville in the tree of woe, and Kid nailed him with three kicks to the back and a low drop kick in the corner. Kid hits a huge dive on the outside. Both guys are really selling to each other's moves. Big kicks by Neville. He does the tree of woe kicks to the back. Another dro- basement drive kick, basically giving Kid a taste of his own medicine. Flying forearm for a two count. Kid was ready for the outside dive. Pop a powerbomb for a ridiculous moonsault counter. Side Russian leg sweep from the second rope. Dude, that was awesome. These two basically suplex each other, spilling on the outside, being the 10 count. Love the arm stretch by Kid, allowing him to kick Neville in the face. Somersault dive as Neville was dangling off the ropes. Kid was telling himself, what do I have to do? Just the little things there by him. Top rope hurricane run by Neville. Red arrow, and Neville retains the NXT title. Neville sent cemented his legacy as NXT champion, and Kid was this close, which has been the story of his entire career. This was insane. Pulled out all the stops. These two wanted to counter basically everything that the other had to offer. Pace was consistent. These two had great chemistry, I thought. Storytelling, especially by Tyson, and his urgency to try and win that title. This was pro wrestling in WWE 2014 at the absolute best. Absolutely loved everything about this. After the match, Tyson, frustrated, does not accept the handshake. Everything about this had a purpose. And, man, whoever wrote this, man, that, that guy's pretty good. Whoever, you know, was in charge <laughs> at this point, man, that guy's got a really good wrestling mind. But, um, Christian, we'll start with you. What would you think of the match? Hey, Vince McMahon wrote that. I read that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would have been a two-minute squash. <laughs> yeah, but um, so the, the story that commentary was trying to put over about Tyson Kidd, they're basically saying it's really his last chance to reinvent his career, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was really cool, so it gave the feel of Tyson Kidd being pretty much desperate and just going for anything he can. But you want to talk about two wrestlers that are like each other. These two were identical, and it was a ton of fun to watch. No, it really was. Oh, man, Tyson Kidd. Why didn't WWE use him more on the main roster? You can thank Vince for that. (laughs) Yeah. But Kidd was pulling out some moves that I didn't know he could do. And they said it on commentary. They're, they're like, man, he's doing stuff that he's never done. It's just that urgency. It's the desperation. Oh, oh dude. This match you can so see good. how good it really oh, was. When you give him a chance. Oh, dude. This match. Oh. All right, Don, what'd you think? Yeah, it's it's a shame what ended up happening to Tyson Kidd because he's so damn good, so damn talented. Um, Neville as well. Uh, you know. He's still he's still doing good stuff right now, but uh, Tyson works as a 
producer now, I believe. Yes, he does. Um, yep. And he's doing good stuff, so good for him. But this match, ah, two great wrestlers doing uh, great things, which is put on a great wrestling match. Um, great, great athleticism from both guys. Great striking from Tyson Kidd. Um, the high flying ability that everyone was oohing and on about with with Neville and um, really showing off his resiliency as well as like a fighting champion, I thought was really cool. Um, definitely lived up to the main event spotlight. Um, and Neville Neville was a worthy champion. Tyson Kidd was by far a worthy opponent as well. These two tore the house down, and it was worthy of the main event. Like I said, yeah, yeah, this dude, this match was so good. Um, Dylan, would you give it a five? I went 4.6. All right, Christian? I went 4.8. I give it a 4.9. Uh, wow. Dude, this match was just oh, it was incredible. It was absolutely, absolutely incredible. Um, so that is uh, TakeOver 1. So starting with you, Dylan, will you give everyone your match of the night, grade of 10, and then you're just your final analysis? <sighs> match of the night's actually pretty tough here, but it I is. am – I'm going to go Sami Zayn, Tyler Breeze. Um, I get that the main event was for the title, but there's something about two guys scrapping for just a shot at the title, like kind of showing that desperation of like, they want to be in that spotlight. They want to be in the main event and doing everything they can to get in that main event. I thought those two told a great story, put on a hell of a match. Um, And then I like the the little bit of a quote unquote risk and having Breeze went over Zayn, even though Zayn was, so over with the with the crowd, and everyone loved them. Um, so I'm gonna go that as the match of the night overall analysis. It's a great way to kick off the Takeover series. Um, obviously, we're not counting Arrival because it wasn't part of the Takeover series mm-hmm. per se. Um, but um, yeah, it was a it was it was a nice start, and it was a good way to uh, to see where we got. Down the road, it was cool to see where it started. Like you said, if you would have told me that it was Adam Rose and Camacho kicking <laughs> off the show, considering that the last takeover, uh, or last official takeover, was Takeover Thirty Six, which was main evented by Karrion Cross and Samoa Joe, um, I believe, I, I I would not have believed that it was part of the same series. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at 36 right now. Cameron Grimes and uh, L.A. Knight were the first match of that show. So, uh, yeah, we definitely evolved over time. Yeah. Um, it was a cool way to see where uh, where this brand started. And you definitely saw that Triple H wanted to make this a bigger show. And it still had the, the remnants of, of being a developmental show. You saw some recognizable names, but also some brand new names to the mainstream audience, I guess. Um, but that was really cool. And uh, as far as out of 10, I, it's going to be hard to rate this because I know what's coming later in this series. Yeah, you got to so, give it, you got to, you can't base on just what you saw tonight. What do you give it? I'm going to go, I'm going to go 7.8. I thought the first couple of matches were definitely weaker, uh, but it picked up steam on the last three. Um, but I'm going to go 7.8 out of 10. All right, Christian, what do you got? Match of the night. God, it's a flip of a coin. I'm going to go Neville versus Kid just for the world title being on the line. Both those matches were really good. 
you can't go wrong picking either one, really. But I'm going to go Neville Tyson Kidd. Overall analysis, I mean, it's takeover one. You know, you can only expect so much from one takeover. So I'll give him a little bit of room. But a couple of matches I was like, you know, eh, on. You guys like Charlotte versus uh, uh, Natalia. I love it. But the two matches that hit really propelled this pay-per-view. Or or pay-per-view takeover, whatever. But my grade, I also gave it a 7.8. So at this point in time, this was an absolute statement by Triple H and NXT management relying on wrestling, the wrestling, giving new stars a chance to shine and at least trying to give a backstory from each match. Uh, They had a little bit of a feud with the tag team title match and then they even had a couple interactions with Camacho and Adam Rose. So they tried to have Mm -hmm. something with everything. It's not like Vince was like, hey, two people get out there and have a match. Like they, they desperately tried. Um, I thought the card still flowed pretty well, considering that this was developmental at this mm-hmm. time. The crowd was red hot throughout the night, and I thought the talent really showed out. This was only the beginning for NXT and so many more crazy moments coming our way. I really enjoyed the night. I give it an eight. Match of the night for me was Neville versus Kid. Dude, I, I, there's just something from Kid. It's just the desperation. It was like his life was on the line trying to win that. It, dude, he – if I if I gave a start of the night, be him. It, probably, it would probably be, be Kid for me. Uh, <laughs> just, dude, it was just that. I, and Breeze, I think, would be up there too. Obviously, Zane and Neville. But, damn, man, dude, there was just something from Kid. And Neville played this part very, very well. So, uh, I'm going to give match of the night to Neville versus Kid. But that, my friends, is NXT TakeOver 1. With the next one being NXT TakeOver Fatal 4-Way, which was actually graded the worst TakeOver of the series. So we will uh, catch that next month. But uh, Dylan, would you like to tell everyone your dummy Yamo of the week? Yeah, so I don't know if you guys caught this, but over the weekend there was an event that took place that I had no idea ever existed, and apparently it's the second iteration of it. Something called Creator Clash. It's a bunch of boxing matches with uh, yeah. like YouTube personalities and stuff like that. There was a guy who won a fight who called out Seth Rollins, apparently. I saw that. <laughs> apparently, he had a, a, a signed contract with WWE. I'm, I'm not quite sure. But that's not what I want to highlight. Someone on the show won with a third-round knockout. Uh, John Hennigan, mm-hmm. more famously known as John Morrison won his boxing debut. Like I said, I had no idea this was a thing. I had no idea John Morrison was going into boxing. (laughs) I'm not really, you know, taking the time to dog him or anything. I just thought it was a fun story to cap off the show with. Uh, John Morrison beat the uh, uh, host of Epic Mealtime. His name is (laughs) is Harley Morenstein. Apparently, he knocked him down to the ground in every round, and the ref had no choice but to stop it in the third round. So... (laughs) John Morrison dominated this fight, apparently. Um, And then, yeah, some 42-year-old boxing... uh, I don't know his name, but I guess he goes by Boxer Dad or something on YouTube. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, called out Seth Rollins as well afterwards. So, wrestling got a little bit of a shine on this show, too. And uh, he said that um, when Seth was ready to fight a real uh, content creator and a boxer that actually wins his fights uh, to give him a call. So he took a dig at Logan Paul, too. So 
all in all, it was a, I thought a fun way to cap off the show. And when I saw all this stuff coming up, I'm like, I got to find a way to fit this into the show. So figured I'd make it the last story of the night. Hmm. All right, Chris, what do you think? Well, congrats to John Morrison. Yeah. Apparently he's a badass. Went in with a third round knockout to the epic mealtime guy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, good good for him. But uh, Christian, what do you got? You know who he's married to? Ty Valkyrie, yeah. I I just found that out like three days ago. Yeah. Kyle's a big fan. Yes, I am. I am a big fan of Ty Valkyrie. She's great. But uh, Christian, what do you got for us this week? So my dummy uh, goes to Road Dog. On his Oh You Didn't Know podcast, he was talking about the WrestleMania main event decision, Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns, obviously. And he says it was the right choice because he said Cody needs more adversity, and he says Cody can't just come back and take the title off a guy who's been undefeated the last four years. Now, I find that complete and utter BS because the adversity thing he tore his pec muscle, wrestled a hell in a cell match, won the match, went in recovery, came back. Not many wrestlers are doing that. You say he needs more adversity? Oh, give me a break. Now, I think where he was trying to go with this was adversity against the bloodline. Really trying to put that story over, not so much like the stuff that happened before it so i think what he meant yeah exactly so i think like he wanted to basically have cody destroy the whole bloodline and then get to roman so i think that's what he was going for there but uh dylan did you take it the same way yeah i will i will say this um i i brought up a similar point um not too long ago after wrestlemania where you know, people said the same thing online. Oh, well, Cody needs to go through hardships and stuff like that. He needs to go through his own hard times, cut his own hard times promo like Dusty did. And um, I I agree with Christian in a sense. Like, the dude, like, forget, like, the peck injury. Like, think about his WWE exit and how he was, like, scrutinized for going choosing the indies over millions of dollars and this and that. Like, he's gone through adversity. I will, however, support the Cody Rhodes loss. And I look at it this way. Cody, much like Roman, so like it's 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 been hyped up that Roman hasn't lost in, in a very long time. Hasn't been pinned in like four years, whatever. And Baron Corbin um, was the last one to do it. Baron Corbin was the last one to beat him, <laughs> which is wild to me. Um do you like so since Cody has been back, he hasn't lost a match. He's won every TV match. Um and up until WrestleMania has won every pay-per-view match including a Royal Rumble. Do you really want Cody's first loss to be losing the title? You get what I mean? Well, so I'm okay with them getting that loss out of the way. That's my only way to really support. I agree with the sense that Cody should have gone over. I think that the story kind of wrote itself. It would have been a perfect ending. But get that loss out of the way so you don't like that. That's no longer lingering of like, okay, well, he's champion, but like, you know, his first loss, like when he loses the title, it'll be his first loss since coming back. So you have that double whammy. It's like, get that loss out of the way. Keep moving forward. He'll, he'll be champion eventually. I think, I think at SummerSlam, he wins the belt, but, um, but as far as like adversity is concerned, I don't think that was the right term for road dog. So I do agree with Christian in a way of like, he could have worded it much differently. Yeah. 
because the guy's gone through enough adversity in his career and even leading up to WrestleMania, going through the pec injury and whatnot. But, but I will support that it's okay that Cody lost. See, here's my argument to you. Mm-hmm. I know this is going to be the same argument we've heard. You're still never going to have a bigger moment than WrestleMania. I agree. I agree you, with that 100%. Whether it's SummerSlam, Hell in a Cell, Extreme Rules, TLC, Fatal 4-Way, Unforgiven, I don't care. I, a great, balls, a great Balls of Fire. Yeah. Balls, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> but, hey, we might review that show, by the way, but go on. You're never going to have that payoff <laughs> as big as you would have at WrestleMania. Right. Now, if you win SummerSlam, it's like, okay, cool, but this should have been done already. Like, right. That's, I guess, but... I think I think the the moment did right itself. Now, if the buildup was going into SummerSlam, like whatever. So I agree with that sentiment. But I saw a point online, and I it it really like clicked in my head. Why does every big moment have to be at WrestleMania? I get that it's the biggest show of the year, but doesn't it kind of devalue the rest of the shows that we can't have those big crowning moments? Like, why can't he win at SummerSlam? Why can't he win in London at Money in the Bank? Why well, that's all been that's been Vince's fault. He's been the one doing that. Yeah. So like, so I I totally see where you're coming from from for for how the story was laid out. That would have been the perfect ending. It just happened to be WrestleMania. I don't think it has to be at WrestleMania. It's just that story, the way it was going, it just happened to fall at WrestleMania 39 in the main event. So, yeah, him winning at SummerSlam, Money in the Bank, Survivor Series, like wherever it happens, it'll always feel a little bit tarnished because he already lost once and it was at the biggest stage. But I'm not against saving those bigger moments for the other shows because it makes those shows feel important. So I think, I think SummerSlam is going to be a very big night. So I think, I think that's a show to look out for on the calendar. Uh, as long as Triple H is booking. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> or Brock's going to be in that main event. Yeah. Um, they'll find, they'll find some loopholes so he can uh, wrestle for the title again. Oh yeah. Um, so we're going to go into mine real quick. Um, like I said, Last week, Vince will always get at least half of my dummy up moment of the week moving forward. So, uh, Vince is one half. But the other half goes to the pressure. I can't believe I butchered that. The pressure on Gable Steveson. With his amateur wrestling background and his pure power, people, including Vince, were comparing him to Brock Lesnar, which it was kind of a good comparison at the time. They had a lot of stock in Gable to be a big draw for them moving forward. But he has yet to debut, and with him finishing school plus the hurt procedure, all these factors, and we have never – we have no clue how he is as a worker. We have, mm-hmm. no, we have no clue how he fits in a professional wrestling ring. We don't know how he's going to be as a character on, on the mic. We don't know anything about him. I think the pressure of someone so young trying to be such a big deal and something that he is very new to – um, because remember, pro wrestling is basically the opposite of college collegiate wrestling. I hope he can make his debut one day, but the pressure by the WWE and the fans of wrestling, I, that gets my dummy MO of the week. So I don't think. I, I told you this when he was signed, when everyone was like, oh, he's the next Kurt Angle. He's the next Brock Lesnar. I'm like, dude, you were setting this guy up for failure before he even puts on a pair of boots like you can't compare him 
to Kurt Angle. I get that they have the same background, but you just can't compare him to Kurt Angle. You can't compare him to Brock Lesnar, who's literally just a freak of a human being, for one. Like, I often say if aliens invade Earth, we're sending Brock Lesnar after them because he's just a freak of nature. You can't compare him to those people. He has to be his own person. So I agree with you. I feel like, I don't know if it's necessarily the company that's done it, but it's definitely the wrestling fan base of like, yeah. he's he's the next guy. He's the next angle. It's like, you guys are, are, are screwing this guy over before he has a, has a chance to start. We don't know how good he is. No, we, no we, we don't know anything about him. Yeah, there's, there's been setbacks. I get that. Like you said, he had the health issue. But there's a lot of reports that, like, he may not even pursue pro wrestling at all now. He may just go back, you know, go back to school, go back to amateur wrestling, go back on the, you know, the Olympic circuit and whatnot. But we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I, I, I said at the moment he signed, I'm like, these people are going to screw him over before he has a chance. It's not his fault. No. It's not. It's, it's really not his not. fault. He's been dealt a bad hand. I get with the adversity, but, but dude, wrestling fans, like, they kind of screwed him over. They put too much pressure on him. You can't compare him to Brock Lesnar, who's not – I'm not even convinced is human, and uh, and Kurt Angle, who, again, you know, won a, won a gold medal with a broken freaking neck, brother. Like, those are two, like, one-in-one humans. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's yeah. Just, Kurt it's is – Kurt is also a different animal. <laughs> like Kurt, like Prime yeah. Kurt. Yeah, yeah. Wow. The wrestling machine, Kurt Angle. Oh my god. Dude, dude, I, it's just flying someone better than him, and the you know, dude. That, from like 2006 that, to 2009, Kurt Angle was the best wrestler on the planet, no doubt. Dude, I that's that's probably one of the best runs ever. So, yeah. dude, it, it, it's it's a lot of pressure on him. But uh, Christian, real quick, what do you think? Making those comparisons would be like saying a quarterback in this year's draft class is the next Peyton Manning. Yeah, it's just not fair. Come out completely blow. Mm-hmm. You just you don't know this stuff. We there's no evidence of him in a you know pro wrestling ring. We don't know what his moveset's going to be like. We don't know nothing about him. So how could you say he's the next Brock Lesnar or Kurt Angle? You can't. Yep. Now. Yeah. If you, disappoints it's gonna be well i thought he was this i thought he was that well you put that label on him and now he didn't live up that hype and now you're mad yeah not living up to that hype yeah it's not like he put that label on himself it's not like he's like i'm here to be the next uh kurt angle and then he you know stinks and it's like well you said you were gonna be great everyone else said he was gonna be great he just wanted to pursue something well, remember, this was one of the first, like, NIL deal kind of things that WWE did. Yeah. Um, was And he was, like, that big first signing. So, I, I think WWE is really going to figure out that this NIL deal thing that they have probably is not the best way. I 100% get what they're doing, but um, it's just going to – this is just going to continue even more. Yeah. But, Dylan, well, uh, wait, go ahead. Did you guys see who they signed? Yeah, Justin Fields' sister. It was one of them. No, no. The Cavender twins. Yeah, Anna, they signed the Cavender yeah. twins. Yep. Yeah. Hey, dude, she balled out. I think it was Haley balled out in that tournament. Love to the Elite Eight, I think. So, um, congratulations yeah. to them. Yeah. But, um, Dylan, before we head out, can you tell the viewers what we're doing next week? Yeah, so uh, next week we're doing a little uh, uh, tournament bracket of sorts um i believe it's going to be top gimmicks if i'm not mistaken um christian's submitting uh his 
his favorites. I'm submitting mine. Kyle's got some. We have some some outside people doing some stuff too. Um, and then they're going to piece the bracket together. Uh, so it'll be a surprise to us, like the matchups and everything. And then we'll spend next week debating it and picking out of the, the pool which one we think was the best gimmick in wrestling. So a little, and- little bit of a twist on the uh, – you know, we've done the Mount Rushmore top five stuff before. Uh, this will be a fun little debate episode, which I think will be cool. Yes. And I do want to put over the fact that this is not going to be like the absolute best gimmicks ever. You're probably not going to see Hollywood Hulk Hogan, some of these different ones who are really at the top of their game at the time. Um, There's going to be some of our pa- favorites and some that we grew up with. So it's going to be kind of like more our era in a way but there are going to be some uh, throwbacks as well um i'm very excited for it i'm very very excited yeah. christian obviously will be on with us um uh, for any tiebreakers and i think it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah it'll be strictly our favorites so yeah like kyle said it'll be stuff that we remember growing up on there will be some stuff you know like i've definitely gone back probably more than you guys gone back and watched a lot of older stuff as well and i yeah. got into a lot of the older stuff um, but it's just simply our favorites. We're not digging through like a BuzzFeed list of like, here's the 10 best wrestlers ever. Yeah. <laughs> We're simply picking our favorites and, uh, we'll just, we'll just go from there. So the winner might be a gimmick that no one else liked and that's fine. Um, yeah, it's just, it's simply just like our opinions and, uh, yeah, we'll have a fun little, uh, friendly debate about it. It'll be a lot of fun. No, yeah. I mean, uh, Dylan was a very big fan of the Matt Striker teacher gimmick. So we're just going to have to see where that deck goes. <laughs> what about the, um, the LA Knight Maximum Male Model gimmick? That was Christian's favorite. Yeah, that was he a- told oh, me. What about the uh, the Nixon Cruz gimmick? That's your favorite, right? That, I, I am making sure that is not on that list. That's my uh, pick. Before... <laughs> but uh, we appreciate everyone listening to this point. This is the very first episode of NXT black and gold celebration i think this went over very well and we have about 38 left so yeah. uh this is going to be a very long journey like we said but we're super excited this will be about once a month kind of deal uh maybe two in a month what we'll see um but we will catch everyone next week and we're on the road to backlash not wrestlemania backlash well it depends on who you ask backlash <laughs>